0: The Pittsburgh Steelers suffered their worst loss in over 30 years and are now tied for the worst record in the NFL this season. Is there any hope for the Steelers team? And where should the blame fall for this terrible season? I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the Cutting Room Floor. Anytime you're 1-4 and just suffered the worst loss your franchise has seen in over 30 years. There's a lot of blame to go around. But fans tend to focus and want to focus on just a few key moves and say, hey, you know, if these moves were made, the team would be better. Or before the team gets better, these moves need to be made. Well, today I'm going to take the approach We're going to look at all the problems. And I'm going to point out the main ones that I see. The first half of the show here, we're going to focus on the defense. Second half, we'll get into the offense. I want to start with the defensive line. I've been talking about them quite a bit. This defensive line isn't very good. I wrote an article about this uh, showing clips from the 2019 uh, Steelers season and a defensive line that had Cameron Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, Javon Hargrave, and Tyson Alu'alu as their top four players and compared them to plays from this season where the Steelers have Cameron Hayward playing hurt. He's not 100%. Tyson Alualu, who is no longer himself. Larry Ogunjobi, who has been solid, but is no on to it. The defensive line is simply not what it used to be. And that shows up in the film a lot of times in, in push, right? The idea of push. On the offensive line, you want to push the defensive line backwards. On the defensive line... You want to push the offensive line backwards. Get into the pocket. Make life miserable. One of the strengths of the 2019 and 2020 Steelers was how often their edge rushers could get to the quarterback. How often blitzes could get to the quarterback. Because the offensive line really couldn't handle the Steelers' defensive line. In those seasons, it wasn't uncommon for the Steelers to go with a 3-4 base package, a seven-man front with three defensive linemen against an 11-personnel set where you would usually see a nickel defense come out. And they do it because they wanted those three defensive linemen and they wanted the two-edge rushers to give them five natural rushers on the field. Especially when you're seeing those three defensive linemen as Stefan Tuit, Javon Hargrave, or Tyson Alualu, and Cameron Hayward. And really, what you would see on those plays is you would see that defensive line collapsing the pocket and the edge rushers coming around the outside. The other team, if they try to block that with five players, right? Just offensive line versus those five you're losing all across the board. If you try to double team some people, you've got T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, you've got Cameron Hayward, you know, you Stefan Tuitt. There's too many. You have to keep people in the block. The Steelers would be able to then blitz. It really fueled what they did, and it was something that I loved to watch because too often we think of defense as, Reactionary, where the offense puts personnel out, the defense matches those personnel cornerbacks versus wide receivers, linebackers versus tight ends and running backs. Def- you know, these kind of things we expect the offense to take the lead and the defense to follow it. In those days, with that defensive line, the Steelers were able to dictate what the offense was able to do by the personnel they put on the field. You could go out with 11 personnel and they would go out. Not in nickel, but in their 3-4 alignment. And now you had to sit there and say, well, how are we even going to get a playoff? How are we going to get our quarterback enough time to make any kind of a throw? Because that defensive line was crushing the pocket immediately. And I've, I've there were sacks in 2019 and in 2020 where the quarterback took a five-step draft and then had to Take a few more steps back because the pocket was in his face. And it made it incredibly easy for the outside rushers, the edge rushers, to get to the quarterback and affect the play. Today, we see quarterbacks stepping up in the pocket. We see quarterbacks able to maneuver and avoid the rush. Step up and make throws. Step up just enough to buy time for throws that go off and and make plays. That's defensive line. In the run game, we see offensive linemen getting to the second level. There were so many run plays in 2019 where the Steelers would have a four-man front. The offensive line has like six blockers. And the four defensive linemen beat the offensive six blockers and make the play. And you've got Devin Bush and Mark Barron, like, and, and even Vince Williams, running to make the play, but the ball doesn't get past the defensive line. The runner doesn't even get past them. And other times you see that a defensive line take on six blockers, and those blockers can't get off the defensive linemen, and the linebackers are running free and making tackles. We saw a team playing like that and doing that against the Steelers In the Buffalo Bills. It's one of the reasons before that game, I said, uh, people were talking about all the injuries in the Bills secondary, and I said, as long as their defensive line is healthy, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That defensive line dictates what you can do. And when you have to have six people blocking four, well, the defense just gained a major advantage in the number of players in coverage and the number of players running routes. It's a major advantage. We saw that play out. At the same time, we saw the Steelers defensive line not be able to do the same thing at all. But lose one-on-one matchups at times. And be blockable. To me, the defensive line is the number one difference between the Steelers defense we're used to seeing and the Steelers defense we're seeing this year. Number one difference is the quality of play from the defensive line. When you look at the linebackers, uh, Devin Bush is a problem, but primarily because Devin Bush was drafted to play with that defensive line. And when offensive linemen don't touch him, he's actually pretty good. He got shook uh, on a run by uh, Josh Allen this game, where Josh Allen was able to squeeze in tighter to the to the uh, to his own lineman. Step up in the pocket and and loop around, Devin Bush. By going inside. If the pocket's being collapsed and crushed, that quarterback stepping up into the pocket like that, stepping inside, dodging that rush, led to a sack. The number of times we've seen a, an inside linebacker blitz and a quarterback step out of the way of that and right into a defensive lineman or right into an edge rusher for a sack, it's not small. This year, doesn't happen. We see with the outside linebackers, the absence of T.J. Watt, uh, and the lack of a really good third option for the Steelers. First off, T.J. Watt's irreplaceable. He's a playmaker on a completely different level than most defenders. Uh, his value is incredible. He's gone. The Steelers don't have a really good number three outside linebacker, but that's that's the case for pretty much everybody. There's, there's not 64 good outside linebackers in the NFL right now. The Steelers aren't going to have three when other teams are desperate to get two. Not when you're paying T.J. Watt that much. You just can't put that much money into that situation. And to get somebody who's a very good outside linebacker to take a job as not a starter, you're going to have to pay them. You're going to have something, some incentive for them to come be a backup instead of a starter somewhere else. Behind the linebackers to the secondary. The secondary's banged up. Uh, We got some players missing in the secondary. And the secondary isn't great. This isn't Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson, even. And that wasn't a great secondary. That was a very good secondary who executed at a high level. But they weren't great individual talents. Those aren't Pro Bowl cornerbacks. But the Steelers now aren't that good and they were pretty injured. It still makes some plays but not not what you need when your team no longer is based on your defensive line and your pass rush. You need better coverage when you're not a pass rush based team. Well, the Steelers want to be a pass rush based team they're just not right now and the secondary is a little overwhelmed the loss of Terrell Edmonds really shown in this game the 98 yard touchdown that really set the tone early to Gabe Davis Trey Norwood uh, was double teaming Gabe Davis and took too flat a route to get back there didn't draw back far enough, and is not fast enough to recover from that. You know who is? Terrell Edmonds. You know who's become a much better deep coverage safety? Terrell Edmonds. I don't think that touchdown happens if it's Terrell Edmonds in there. In fact, Josh Allen probably doesn't even throw to Gabe Davis. Trey Norwood has been a very good player for the Steelers, a good find, but he's not a good starter. Terrell Edmonds is a good starter. Him coming back will be big. Obviously, the Steelers tried to address safety depth and with Demonte Kazee, but he's been hurt. He's not there. You're down to Minka Fitzpatrick. And when you need Minka Fitzpatrick to be your playmaker, you need someone else to be the reliable safeties. And on that 98-yard touchdown, Minka Fitzpatrick was covering in the middle, shorter, dropping and taking away stuff across the middle. And deep was Trey Norwood and Arthur Millette. Those were your deep cover guys. And that's not going to cut it. 98-yard touchdown later, Steelers are in trouble. The defensive scheme has gotten more vanilla, but you're also, I mean, it's easy to scheme for great players. When you're getting pressure, when you've got TJ Watt, we got Minka Fitzpatrick, you've got a versatile athlete in Terrell Edmonds, it's much easier to, to get creative. It's harder to get creative when you don't have those guys. When you have players with serious limitations on the field. And you have to cover for them. Oftentimes defense ends up getting a little more vanilla. You also have a bunch of players that haven't executed together well. It's hard to get too creative with players that are a little less familiar with each other. I I have a hard time blaming... And judging. I I shouldn't even say blaming. I should say judging. I reserve judgment when teams are really injured on coordinators. Because you have to adjust for it. It's like saying uh, when Devlin Hodges was starting for the Steelers, I thought that was Randy Feekner's best work as an offensive coordinator. Working with limited, you know, players. Working with a less talented group of players. He had some of his best work. Did that mean he was a good offensive coordinator? No. No, not at all. And at the same time, being able to craft the best defense for a team that isn't good, isn't talented on defense, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a great defensive coordinator when that team has great talents available. That's something to think about when you see, you know, right now the defense coordinator struggling pretty badly. You, you, you're going to struggle on defense with the situation the Steelers are in. So I'm not, I'm not absolving the defensive coordinators and the design and the scheme of guilt. Uh, people complain about soft zone, but the difference be a lot of times soft zone is players playing that that way not being where they're supposed to be or playing it safer because they're worried about getting beat. Sometimes it's the coach no longer trusts the players to make plays if they put in more complicated or more aggressive defenses. The Steelers, to me, I I don't see this defensive line improving enough to make this defense good. I think the Steelers two years ago should have drafted highly a defensive lineman i was calling for it in 2021 draft didn't get it then didn't get it in the 2022 draft we did get DeMarvin marvin third round pick he's been playing a lot he's been playing on the edge he has been a bit of a bright spot for the steelers defensive line he shows some promise and hopefully he can build on that and be even better next season but we still need more what I really want to see the Steelers get is going an absolute stud of a defensive lineman before Cam Hayward retires, before Cam Hayward slows down enough that he's not Cam Hayward, and let this new guy come in, and play with Cam, learn from him, team up with him, make this defense something to fear again. I don't think they can do that in the season. Got to do that off the season. And for me, that's the number one way to improve this defense. Outside of, you know, T.J. Watt coming back healthy. That's the number one way. Adding the defensive player of the year from last year. Other than that, I think the Steelers need to go into the offseason and acquire some talent. That is my thoughts on the defense. To me, the defense isn't getting better this season. This is what it is. They They are what they look like now. And the big difference is going to come after the bye week when TJ Watt comes back, and he could very well turn the season around. They could end up, you know, eight and eight, or close enough to it, close enough to five hundred to ruin their draft position. That's what fully what I expect to have happen. TJ Watt comes back, and and the Steelers wins enough games, they sneak in some wins, end up ruining their draft stock. that's the first half of the show Uh, we're going to take a short commercial break and we'll be right back to talk about the offense and what's going on there back Steeler fans. I'm your host Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to the Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you as always by Behind the Steel Curtain, the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts, and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you're coming to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com to see all of the articles, all of your news, all of your analysis on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Make sure you're listening to all of our podcasts on the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. Today I want to specifically recommend an article series uh, from K.T. Smith on our website called 3 and Out. This week's 3 and Out was specifically good. Uh, The title was Kenny Pickett Impresses, the Defense Regresses, and James Daniels Takes a Stand. It's a fantastic analysis of the Bills game from a football coach. Really good stuff and a must read. Go check to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and check out the three and out article. You may have to search for it. It's, it's a couple days old, but definitely worth reading if you haven't seen it yet. In the first half of this episode, we talked about the defense, particularly the talent on the defensive line being in my opinion the number one thing the Steelers need to address coming into next season and i really don't think that's solvable this year out of course you know tj watt coming back makes a big difference uh but to be a really good defense again the Steelers need to invest in the defensive line when we look at the offense i want to talk about leadership Leadership is a key factor. And whenever we talk about leadership, everyone always thinks to the quarterbacks Terry Bradshaw, Ben Roethlisberger, now Kenny Pickett. We can compare him to Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky. We can compare them to Mason Rudolph. We can do all these comparisons. But I want to move beyond just a quarterback, especially in a season when the quarterback is a rookie and not. Ben Roethlisberger, who had been there for so long. When we look at that leadership, I want to go to a number, a stat that I have always loved, and one of my great arguments for how good a player Heinz Ward was, outside of his production on the field, which we can argue in a different time, uh, was was arguably one of the best of his time period, just in an offense that threw the ball fewer times. Anyways, when we look at Heinz Ward, one of the things always stood out to me with Heinz Ward is his leadership on the team. He was considered a leader of those teams. And for a long time, along with Jerome Bettis, and then after they won the Super Bowl and Jerome Bettis retired, he was still considered a major leader on the team. Not just on the field, but in the locker room. In the preseason, in the offseason, all of that stuff, he was a leader. I remember Antonio Brown talking about the stuff he learned from Heinz Ward when he was a young receiver. And I remember him talking about trying to pass that on to the receivers after him. Clearly, Antonio Brown wasn't quite the same level of leadership as Heinz Ward, but it stands that he tried to pass on what Heinz taught him. And the kind of attitude and personality Heinz brought to the team. Heinz Ward on the Steelers had a playoff record of 12 and six in games he played, not necessarily started at the end there, he wasn't a starter, but 12 and six when he was on the Steelers. When we look at Bill Cower, Bill Cower with Heinz Ward was seven and three. In playoff games. 7-3. and three. That's over 9 seasons. In the 6 seasons he didn't have Heinz Ward. He actually made the playoffs every single year. Bill Cowher didn't have Heinz Ward. But his record in those playoff seasons was 5-6. and six. Bill Cowher. Much better playoff record. Much more playoff success when he had Heinz Ward. Than when he didn't. And that's not tied to Ben Roethlisberger. He only had Ben Roethlisberger for 2004 to 2006. He had Heinz Ward for significantly longer than that. He had a seven and three record with Heinz Ward. The great '90s defenses—that team that had a lot of had a, some Hall of Fame players—that he you know got from Chuck Knoll. Five and six. We look at Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin with Heinz Ward only had Heinz Ward for five seasons, and obviously a few of those were well past Heinz Ward's prime. Heinz Ward was, I believe, 30 years old uh, in his first season with Mike Tomlin. But even then, Mike Tomlin with Heinz Ward was 5-3 in the playoffs. And since Heinz Ward retired, under Mike Tomlin, the Steelers are 3-6 in playoff games. That's pretty crazy. When we go further, we add those together. With Heinz Ward, the Steelers were 12 and 6. The two coaches he coached with combined without him, 8 and 12. Under 500, well over 500 with Heinz Ward. Under 500 without him. If we go back to Chuck Knoll, Obviously, Chuck Knoll had a whole bunch of talent on those teams. But when Chuck Knoll had Lynn Swan and John Stallworth, two really good receivers, two good leaders, the Steelers were 13-3 and in the playoffs, all four Super Bowl seasons. Without those two, together, Knoll was 3-5 and in the playoffs. And when you start looking at some of the collapses, some of the streaks, some of the, you know, the, the games that went wrong. And when you look at games where your quarterback is off, not playing the best, those wide receivers really show up. When you go forward and you look at Ben Roethlisberger's time after Heinz Ward, you see a lot of games where he'd be streaky. Or there would be some big plays, there'd be some big drives that just didn't work out because you didn't have that kind of player who could make it happen. I always said after the 2005 Super Bowl win in Super Bowl 40, that the difference in that game was Heinz Ward converted. To get first downs. He made tough catches, got tough yards after the catch, and made first downs. The Seattle receivers didn't. And that was the difference in the game. That's the difference between losing and winning a Super Bowl. And that often comes down to a player who is a more reliable leader in the wide receiver room. But it goes beyond just that player's own personal production. It goes into the play of the players around them. And we see that when we look at Heinz Ward's time on the Steelers and Antonio Brown's time on the Steelers. And you look at the drops. You go back and you look at San Antonio Holmes' drops. They got better after his rookie season. He was a rookie in 2006. They got better in 2008. He's winning Super Bowls. Antonio Brown came in learned from it Hines Ward you look at when Antonio Brown becomes the leader of that wide receiver room even though he's not a great leader even though there were some you know issues in the locker room there it wasn't exactly the greatest thing there but he did bring as Richard Mann always pointed out you know he brought a work ethic and he pushed other receivers They would draft a player who had problem with drops, and they'd bring it up. And Richard Mann would always say, we'll take him in there, we'll drill him, and we'll get rid of that. Antonio Brown works? This guy's going to work. Always brought up Antonio Brown in those discussions. And how Antonio Brown was going to work, and we're going to make this guy do the same thing Antonio Brown does. Well, I want you to think about... 2018. Antonio Brown's last year on the Steelers. And then... 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022, if you look at the number of drops from Steelers wide receivers, it's gone up substantially. Leadership in that wide receiver locker room matters. And especially when you consider the the, the common personality, Of wide receivers. And how you're more likely to get kind of those diva personality. You're more likely to get temperamental characters. You're more likely to get someone who is a problem in the locker room. At the wide receiver position. And the difference. A leader. Who can rein those players in. Keep them focused on the team goals. And push them to work on their own game. And improve where they need to can make a ton of difference on an entire offense and through that on the entire team. We've seen so many drives this season ended with a drop. We saw it in 2020, saw it in 2021, not as much, but this season, a bunch of them drop passes, ending drives not allowing the Steelers to score points and putting the defense back out there to try and stop the other team in worse field position than they would have had if a receiver had simply caught a ball. And that's a skill that is easily drillable. There are drills and skills you can do to not drop balls and to get better at catching and more reliable. You just have to put in work and dedication. And care about it. I want to talk about this, and I want to ask people, and I want to ask you, the listeners, to think about this. Who are the leaders on this Steelers offense? Players, not coaches. Coaches can coach, but real leadership comes from the other players. Who are the leaders on this offense? Mitch Trubisky is a captain. He's not even playing. Kenny Pickett's your starting quarterback, but he's a rookie. Your highest paid offensive player is Deontay Johnson. Is he a leader? Listen to his press conferences. Listen to the answers he gives. Listen to how he talks. Watch his body language in games. And tell me if you think he's a leader. The Steelers wanted Najee Harris to be a leader, but... He's not even playing well. He's banged up. He's not himself. He's not the same player he was last year. I don't know if it's wear and tear from playing too much last season. If it's just a regression, like last season went his best season and he's never going to be that guy again, who knows? But right now, that makes it hard to be a leader when you're not playing well. James Daniels on the offensive line. I mentioned KT Smith's article he talks about. James Daniels showing some leadership, stepping back there and shoving that guy after shoving a defender after the one play. It's... Leadership is so important to a team. On-field leadership. And to an offense, you need leaders. Leaders. And you need leaders in almost every room. You need a running back leader. You need a quarterback leader. You need a wide receiver leader. You need a tight end leader. You need an offensive line leader. But then you need the guys who transcend the room and are leaders on the entire team. And the Steelers don't have leadership on that offense that leads to success. They don't have enough. And I think, in my opinion, that is really one of the most serious problems with the Steelers' offense, is a lack of leadership. And I think when we talk about players and we talk about we're not seeing the accountability from the offense that we want to see from receivers and runners, and we don't see the accountability we want to see from them in post-game interviews. We get weird comments and we get arguments and, you know, disagreements with with people talking about the team and it hurt feelings and all this stuff. And you're like sitting there watching it. And it's not leadership. No one's really taking that role. And that's a problem. That's the show for today. That's what I think is wrong with the Steelers. And I don't think these problems, as Mike Tomlin said... These are not problems that have easy fixes. You can't fire the offensive coordinator and suddenly have a wide receiver room that stops dropping passes. You can't change up your defensive scheme and suddenly the defensive line goes from getting pushed around to pushing the offensive line around. It's not going to happen. This is going to be a rough year and really the only hope for the Steelers is TJ Watt comes back and makes enough big plays to cover for weaknesses other places. That's pretty much it. That is my show for today. Thank you for listening. As always, have a great week. And let's go Steelers.